And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso, Certified Financial Planner, here with Danny Ratliff, CFP Squared, who, if you see on the um, YouTube Live, he's looking very dapper today. You mean I got dressed? (laughs) You got dressed up today. Well, what an exciting day in the markets yesterday. Big, big day. Today is also a big day because we have personal income. We have uh, PCE coming out today. That's the Fed's preferred measure of inflation. Obviously, um, the indication is that it's not going to move very much. I think in February it came out at 4.6%. So I have a feeling that it is going to continue to remain stubborn. We're going to see another rate hike coming from the Fed, 25 basis points. But I think yesterday, Danny, with uh, GDP coming down, um, I think there's this anticipation that, uh, <clears throat> you know, that the with the Fed's meeting coming up, that most likely they could pause. Although 2% now, it's going to be interesting to see what PCE looks like today. But at 2% to 4.6%, whatever measure they use, of course, um, there's still a lot of work to be done. And I understand there are a lot of, a lot of rate hikes that have still have not filtered through in the system, and they're finally starting to hit. You're starting to see the real drag on the economy. And so maybe it is one and done, at least one and done for now. We're going to have to wait and see. And then it's also a big day for earnings, right? We have Exxon, we have Chevron, Colgate, Palmolive. So we've got earnings season continues. Amazon came out last night with earnings. Seemed okay until... So again, you know, not really incredible move yesterday. It was, was amazing to see it. Just because of the fact that the economy, ironically, is slowing down. <laughs> Usually the markets would go up when the economy was going to do better. <laughs> but it's total opposite. Well, bad news is good news. The news has not been as bad as what people have been expecting, right? Correct. And so now the Fed may have to take that more measured approach. But what does this look like? What does forward guidance truly look like? Which is really interesting because I think a lot of the guidance has been better than what we've probably been expecting in a lot of ways. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, again, it's really yesterday gives you a good idea, Danny, of how when people's sentiment when it comes to what you think the market is going to do and what it does. This is totally different. That is why, even though we manage risk, your hindsight bias of I should have done this, I should have done that, will torture you through this period of time. <laughs> that is why we always recommend, even though we risk and we manage around the edges, as I call it, right? We manage positions. If something is not working or something gets you know, overvalued too much, we're going to sell if the fundamentals are not working. Technically, we, we, we take profits, we minimize losses, but we also will buy deep value. But the one thing we always say is if you're going to be all in or all out of this market, especially with the underlying current of the Fed's always going to bail us out. And frankly, the Feds do always bail us out. I hate to say it, but we've gotten to a point where the market is socialized. 
And no matter what, psychologically, banks are going to be bailed out. Anybody is going to be bailed out. And if I'm going to be bailed out, why get out? So logic and markets, especially in the short term, do not work. And they're going to wreak havoc on you. So you can't fully get out of the market and fully get into the market. If you're going to do that, Danny, I would say go into fixed indexed annuities where you have no downside risk and you can capture some upside risk, risk of indexes. You have so many different choices within fixed indexed annuities now to is it going to be a market that stagnates over time? Is it going to be a market that has momentum? There are so many ways to craft a portfolio. And then you don't worry about the downside risk and you get compounding. But if you're going to go in or all in or all out of the market, I'm sorry, your, your overall long-term returns are not going to be very good. You might look great from year to year, but over the long term, you are not going to hit your financial goals. Well, the issue is I think you have to follow some sort of discipline. You have to have some type of rules-based investing policy or philosophy mm -hmm. that you're going to actually operate by. And unfortunately, when we see a lot of people that get all in or all out, it's based on emotion and or trying to rationalize this scenario. And many times we have to remember, you know, we've talked a lot about how a lot of the economic data that we're receiving right now is, one, it's, it's in the rearview mirror. Two, it's likely to be revised at some point. And then three... The market already has a lot of that priced in. So we have to start thinking, looking forward, right? And so we talk about like Wayne Gretzky, skate to where the puck is going, not to where it is. And I think that's probably the more difficult part in this type of environment because it's very easy. Like we've talked about, if we're going into a major recession, this is the most well-forecasted recession that we've probably seen in the history of the economy and the market. Yes. One I mean, of the best books, Danny. I've ever read came out 2005. Okay. It's called Mean Markets and Lizard Brains by Terry Burnham. And it goes to this irrationality we have. Yeah. So to Danny's point, if you're going to use your gut, you're playing rush, you're playing roulette. You're playing roulette and you possibly could win. But you're but that's luck. Right? How many stories do you hear of the people who won? They say, look, I timed this perfect. I got out of the market at just the perfect time, or I got back in. Yeah. It's usually getting out that, that you get lucky on, right? It's getting back in. That's the more difficult part because up until about two years ago, I think we were still getting calls weekly from somebody saying, you know, I've been out. I think I need to get back in. I've just been missing out on a lot of, a lot of returns. And now that sentiment has changed. So Listen, we have clients that will come to us and say, uh, why don't you guys do this? Why don't you guys do that? Yeah. Why don't you all do this? And sometimes we say, you know what? We'll do it. If you want us to do it, we'll do it. And I will tell you, it is usually at the worst possible time. It makes sense if your gut cannot handle volatility, if you know yourself. But station your portfolio to fit into that model. You can ebb and flow that that core base. So there are some people that will that will say, "Listen, I don't, I don't feel comfortable with more than like twenty percent in stocks. That's just how I roll. I don't care what the market does, whatever." Okay, well, I could take that twenty, and I we could still protect risk. We could still go down to ten percent. We still can manage risk of that twenty. Okay, but you know the fact that once you are bleeding, you're going above these these boundaries. <clears throat> you do not sleep at night. 
But then there are people that don't realize they don't sleep at night and think that they know better, and that's hindsight bias. Well, and or don't understand the risks that they're taking by doing Correct. one thing or another. I think Absolutely. that's a bigger problem, right? Like, look at last year. So you could have been in a 2080 model, but yet your returns were still pretty abysmal just because the only place Correct. to hide was in cash. Absolutely. Um, it's, I'll tell you, I, I, it is very tough. <clears throat> we are not wired for this stuff. We are not wired. So that's why, to Danny's point, having rules, even if you say, listen, we follow rules, even though I don't even understand why the market continues to go higher in the face of rising rates and then stubborn inflation. But the rules are the rules are the rules. Did I say other rules? Other rules. Okay. We get back. We're going to continue here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Retirement's not what it used to be. And knowing how health insurance works after you leave your job is vital. Our next Lunch and Learn will tackle transitioning to Medicare. Thursday, May 11th with Danny Ratliff and Richard Rosso. How will Medicare work with the insurance you already have? What are the deadlines you need to know for signing up for Medicare? Register now for our Transitioning to Medicare Lunch and Learn with Ratliff and Rosso at realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. I'm just enjoying the music. Uh, welcome back. So um, we are having our Lunch and Learn transitioning to Medicare coming up on May 11th, and um, that's tough enough. And then when you get through that hurdle, you got to select a Medicare plan. <clears throat> and there are certain elements of certain things you need to be aware of when you do that. And I've had clients fall into this pitfall of not understanding, especially in the active years of their retirement, how their plan can be affected. So, for example, if I take a Medicare Advantage plan, if Jimmy J.J. Walker manages to convince me, dynamite plan that works, well, if I travel overseas or even if I travel to another state, that it's possible that that closed-loop system that sometimes comes with Medicare Advantage may not cover everything in another state or a hospital might be covered but a doctor might not be covered so lifestyle dictates decisions how you're going to travel so for clients we know i know clients who are going to travel definitely travel overseas so in a medigov policy <clears throat> plan g you've got to go through medicare.gov and you've got to go ahead and find all the different letters of medigap policies available Medicare.gov actually does a really, really good job of going down and showing you what's available. <clears throat> and some policies are very good for in international travel, emergency services, 
So, and again, Danny, we have clients that say, listen, I'm not going to travel. I'm so convinced I don't care about travel. I go local. This is my life. I never will travel overseas. Okay, well, then may, maybe the G is not going to be what you need. We have to find something else. So you got to remember your, your travel, your lifestyle decisions are going to also dictate what kind of plan that you're going to um, look at overall. So there's just more than that. You also have to also, um, there, believe it or not, there are a lot of advisors, Danny, that don't recommend Medigap because it's more expensive. Yeah, they look at Medicare Advantage. They look at Medicare, they look at Plan C, right? And that it's cheaper and still provides good service. So uh, you, sir, are not a financial advisor. That's what I'm going to say. So my thought is if you are offering or recommending as a financial advisor Medicare Advantage because it's cheaper, um, you're not studying. You're absolutely not studying the services that are available to you. But um, there are times we will recommend Medicare Advantage because you do have to look at a client's costs, whether or not they can afford a plan G and a plan D. And sometimes Medicare Advantage is going to work for them. But if I am going to, we are going to make a priority at RIA that if it fits into your budget, that we are looking at Medigap supplemental policy, which will most likely resemble the kind of coverage you had at work. Now, never say never, because Medicare Advantage is very lucrative. It's the fastest growing segment of that market. Danny and I study it. So if it does come to a point where Medicare Advantage does look better, we shall change our minds. But for now, we're not going to look at do that. Um, you know, and again, I have to shop my Medicare Advantage plan. If I want more cost certainty, certainty in my supplemental I would look at a Medigap policy because it's probably not going to change much compared to my Medicare Advantage plan. That means I have to do one day and I got to do my homework every year. I can't be sitting on the same plan every year. I have clients that do have Medicare Advantage and I will tell you, they take their coffee and their donut and they sit there during open enrollment, October through December, and they research their Medicare Advantage plan because something's changed as well as their Part D and everybody should do that. Well, I think, I think with any of these plans, Medicare Advantage, Medigap, um, just original Medicare in general, you know, one thing that you mentioned earlier, like mentioning somebody who only recommends Medicare Advantage. Look, we need to be very aware of the differences between them. And I think the big problem is, is that if only, you're only going to speak about one type of specific plan, you're not doing your client the justice they, they deserve. So mm-hmm. you need to be able to understand what exactly is Medicare? What does it cover? And more importantly, what does it not? And then the importance of using a Medigap policy versus a Medicare Advantage. Yep. What are you giving up? So a lot of times you may have very little in premium if you go to Medicare Advantage, but the, what they cover is much, much different. Correct. And then understanding, you know, the things that you may need to purchase a la carte if you get with original Medicare and a Medigap policy where you may need to go purchase vision, dental, um, you know, all these different types of small nuances that I think a lot of times aren't considered. Oh, I know, actually, because we hear about it. But a lot of clients 
don't want to go through that process, Danny, of, and this is where Medicare Advantage does work. Yeah. I get a dental plan. For some reason, we don't think teeth are important in <laughs> Medicare. So you got to do a separate dental vision. But if you have a serious illness that, and there's a specific treatment that is recommended, you may not be able to get it under Medicare Advantage. And then you can't switch. You can't go back from Medicare Advantage back to Medigap because there is a pre-existing condition clause. So you, you up front your financial advisor and hopefully someone that is really good like a Medicare agent can help you make the right decisions when it comes to understanding. You know, we can guide you as planners. We can give you an idea of what you need to look for. But it's always good to talk to someone who is really good at navigating that system. <clears throat> Danny, I know yeah. that you work with somebody that does a really good job. Yeah, um, we do work with some some healthcare specialists. This, this is all they do. So I do enjoy, you know, kind of listening to them, understanding and having a good understanding sitting across the table or on a phone line, knowing, okay, well, maybe mm-hmm. let's think about this a little bit differently. But, you know, that's where you have to be cautious as well. When you're going out to hire somebody to shop these types of policies for you, are they captive? Are they independent? Who do they work with? Who do they work for? Um, you know, if, if all they have is a hammer, everything is a nail on everybody, right? So we want to make sure that we are understanding exactly who they work for. And, and when it comes to working with healthcare specialists, I want to work with somebody who's independent because I want them to be able to scour the earth for the best plan for my clients. I think that is really important to make sure that you understand exactly who you're working for and who they uh who they represent. Is it you? Is it the company? And, and that's a, that's a big difference. Um, you know, I think, you know, one thing you mentioned earlier talking about having somebody to talk with on a regular basis, at least mm-hmm. annually, a lot of money's left on the table, unfortunately, where, you know, what we find is that people get a plan and they stop shopping. They never change it. But we also see by being financial planners that life changes. Things happen quickly. You know, you think you may not travel now, and it may be because of COVID. Well, nobody was traveling, right? Or maybe it's because, you know, you've done enough traveling. I can't tell you how many times I've had clients come to me and say, Danny, hey, we are not traveling like we once did. Mm-hmm. We're only going to travel the States. And then we talk and say, hey, what have you guys been up to? Oh, we just got back from a trip to Europe. Oh, okay. You know, well, you talked about, you know, your, your health insurance plan. Let's talk a little bit more about that because what they don't realize sometimes is that now they weren't covered for specific types of events. So this needs to be something that you look at frequently. And sometimes it's been that, Hey, kids moved overseas. I'm going to see them once or twice a year, Mm -hmm. small things that we just fail to remember when it comes to what type of healthcare plan we're on. Right. Cause look, it's not something we're talking about every day. It's not something that you're, you're thinking about often until you need it. So when there's those open enrollment periods, we highly recommend you shop your plan. And what, how much money's left on the table? Thousands mm-hmm. of dollars. Thousands of dollars because people don't want to. At the least, if you have a Medigap policy, but you have, say, your Part D, your prescription drug plan, you have the ability to shop that every year. And it's very good for you to just review and make sure that you're getting the right you know, maybe say, hey, oh, gosh, now it, my prescription's available at my pharmacy I always go to. 
at a lower cost. Oh, if I get it mailed to me, I save even more money. So don't be complacent. Um, also, you got to remember transitioning to Medicare can also mean that you're retiring early. So you're going to retire before Medicare age. You're say you're gonna, you say you're 62 years old and you are going to get this great pension and you know I'm, you know I feel like I want to, I want to I want to retire. Okay, but then I have to bridge over. I've got to find insurance until Medicare kicks in. And quite frankly, that could be a bit of a shock and that has to be added to your plan based on the marketplace, the affordable care marketplace is sort of an oxymoron because it could cost you quite a bit and you're not going to qualify for subsidies based on your retirement income. So you need to understand how you're going to put together a retirement plan are you going to go on your spouse's plan? That bridge to Medicare could be a bit shaky. And you have to plan that out and then add those expenses to your financial plan to make sure they're covered. Right, Danny? Because people think, well, they don't think about, oh, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I, I won't have any medical coverage and I can't carry over. I don't have a retirement benefit with my company, healthcare benefit. I have to find insurance. Holy moly. What's the cost of that? I just helped someone look at that the other day for a family who wants to retire sooner. $3,500 a month that we're going to have to look at for three years. And he decided that I think I'll wait. What is that? $42,000 a year? Mm -hmm. To cover the family. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. So, but how many people do we see delay and defer retirement because of that? Oh, all it's, the time. it's like over 90% plus. Yeah. All right, we get back. I want to talk about, are you making mistakes with your 401k plan? I'm working on a presentation right now. I want to share with you some of the ideas that we have when we get back. Stay tuned. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com oh you know what would i do to change places with edwin castro in case you don't know who Evan Castro is. He's the overnight, he's the guy that won the $2 billion Powerball in California, Danny. Driving around his new, his Porsche, $250,000 antique white Porsche, bought two homes in the Hollywood Hills. Spotted coming out of Chase with a big fat envelope of cash on Wednesday with his newly hired bodyguard. Gosh! Yeah, you better, Edwin. You better. I'm like, first thing I think about is, so net, he nets out $997 million. That's the largest lottery prize in U.S. history. And I think about it, and I go, huh. What's the first thing you would do, Danny? What would, what, would I, what would you think I would do versus what Edwin probably did? Because Edwin looks like he just ran out there and bought a couple of houses. 
Like, I'm trying to figure out how fast his burn rate is going to be, Mr. Edwin, even though I know he put it into homes and he can sell those. But, you know, the Porsche thing, okay, I get it. But I'm also wondering with the big, big fat envelope of cash, I don't know if he's really structured any kind of planning process for this well, money as a 30-year-old. Um, just trying to think about if we're going to be hearing about Edwin escapades in the future. And can I be involved? Edwin. I mean, look, I'm, I'm making sure a he's plea, a real, Edwin. real fun guy, right? But um, You mean like a mushroom? Yeah, sure. Fun guy? Yeah. Look, number That's one. a bad dad joke. I'm sorry. You would never know if I won the lottery. You would know. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. Number one. Go you, hire an attorney. You do not go in and claim that 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 lottery ticket, <laughs> that prize. Please. You need to set up an advisory team immediately. Immediately. I mean, before you tell your wife, before you tell anyone. I'm, I mean, I'm serious. Like, Michelle, you hear that? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just saying in general, like, you need to go, because here's the problem. I do You get your point, though. Yeah. Once everybody knows, you're screwed. You are. I mean, so look, you're criticizing this guy for... The, the purchases he's made. Why should anybody know what he's done? Why should anybody even know that guy's name? That's what my point is. I think he wants everybody to know. Yeah. He's walking around outside with a big wad of cash in his Like he's showing, off, showing it off. And that, to your point, the last thing you want to do, and there have been a lot of smart lottery winners who have done this, but I have a feeling we're going to be tracking Edwin's escapades when he buys the strip club and all kinds of other, the bada boom, the binga bang room and all this other stuff. So you want to hire a special, you want to hire a team. You need tax, estate, financial advice. I mean, you need a team of experts before you spend. And in all fairness, maybe he has done this. I, my gut is telling me based on what I'm seeing is he hasn't. Does he have trust? Are those, are those homes he's purchased in his name or does he have them in a trust? Or uh, likely something even more sophisticated than a trust. Oh, well, well I mean, but some yeah. sort of protective element, yeah. right? So to your point, before a single dollar is spent, you have got to have a structure in place. Well, he's a walking target, let's face it, right? So we, we talk about estate planning, liability aspects, um, creditors. And even though he may not have any debt per se, he's got bigger issues because he's walking around with a lot of cash. Somebody goes and he gets in a car accident. He's not structured properly. Guess what? A lot of funds are out there that could that somebody could come after. So, you know, I think the bigger aspect of this is that if he's done all those things, he's certainly not taking the advice of his of his advisors. There's no way there's gonna be an attorney. If I if if I or an advisor for that matter, if if I was working with Edwin mm -hmm. and I saw him on the news or I'd I knew the information, him, you? you knew him like, oh, hang on, buddy, we need to take a couple <laughs> steps back, mm -hmm. like way, way back. Mm -hmm. Um I agree with you. He's we're got gonna, we're gonna we're going to reset as much as you can, right? Because, look, the cat's out of the bag. Everybody knows. Right. And he's already starting habits. And what you find is once you start a habit similar to what he's doing, you go to the bank, you get, you know, I'm assuming probably tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Probably not hundreds because banks mostly don't carry that much. Um, and what, why do you need a big wad of cash? I don't know. And then just, I, need I was three. thinking that was the first thing that went through my mind. But then you, you mentioned what he's probably buying or doing with it. That's what I think. I mean, I, I don't mean, know. I wouldn't be doing Like, in other words... Just part of my mindset, and maybe what we do, is look, he looks like he's starting off at, on a bad footing. 
And then he's got three guards who protect him. Of course, because his pictures are in the newspaper. Well, because you're going to the bank with and walking out with wads of money. Yeah, you're you're doing this to yourself. Wanted yeah. to see this for a second, but I think yeah, it, like even in the picture coming out of the bank, you can tell he's got this big big envelope of cash. I mean, he's not hiding anything. Yeah. Uh, what city is he in? <laughs> you. You said you said he's been buying houses in Beverly Hills. Altadena, but he's bought, he's buying homes in L.A. Hollywood Hills, four million dollar mansion of the San Gabriel Mountains, twenty five point five million dollar Hollywood Hills estate, uh, thirteen thousand square foot of living space for one person. Hey, whatever you know, good for him. No, I he think could do these things. I think it's great. And listen, I'm not criticizing the fact that he won. I think that's great. I just I hate to see when people possibly ha- are on the path. To lose it, yeah. that that bothers me. Because um, just because of our financial stewards. Hey, if I got an idea, if he blows it all and blows his credit score, he can get a house at a discount. That's right. Yeah, he won't have to pay all the new fees. Yeah. So. Oh man, <laughs> no big down payments. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, more power to you, Edwin. If you need a pal, we Danny and I are here. And we are not going to ask you for a dime. We're going to help you protect the dimes you got. And you got a lot of dimes. Yeah, I don't think we'd be friends. I don't think he'd like us. Because no. we'd be like, oh, those guys, those fuddy-duddies again. Well, Fu- not, yeah. Fuddy and duddy are telling me that I shouldn't do this and all this structure. and all. I want, I've got a big wad of cash and I'm going to the humpty dumpty room. Leave me alone. And that's the reason we could not be friends. Right, but we would try to maybe protect him from yeah. not doing that. Not from a moral perspective, but from a, hey, listen, Amber over there doesn't love you. Listen, at 30 years old, I mean, there's probably a lot of growing up to do. I'm assuming the yeah, dude's single. Yeah, that's a lot of money to have someone yeah. for so young. I mean. I never even heard of the guy. That shows you how much I know about that. Well, I'm just but, reading, reading papers, and yeah. you know, he comes up, and he's walking out of the bank, and I thought that would be a good, good fodder to discuss. I wonder what our YouTube people would be doing with all that cash. Well, that's pretty bad that I can type in Edwin the lottery winner, and it pop boom. It. How many pay? Right, how many articles pop up? Uh, yeah, like you said, way I think more like yours is really smart. You wouldn't even know I won. You wouldn't even know I won. I mean, I might, I'll, I'll tell my spouse and my children, but I, I'm not going even into the immediate family with this information. I'd still be back on Monday. Me too. Yeah. You know how you know Brent would win? He'd come back with a big lush mane of hair. <laughs> We're like, wait a minute. What's and, a, and a new Miata. Not. And not, a new Miata. No, no. No, he's not. A new engine. It it probably, would, you know. The I Miata know. would have like a new air freshener. I'd like a 52 Chevrolet pickup truck step sign. Yeah, All right, there yeah. you go. With igni- the, the modern ignition system. Okay. That's okay. what I'd do. Be in this house in the hill country? No, I'd stay where yeah. I am. You really? You yeah. stay where you are? Yeah. We'd well, have to talk to him mm. on the others. He's the you gotta up- live a little, Brent. You know what you are? Alter Edwin. We have to talk <laughs> to you because we're thinking you're not spending enough. See, you can't have anybody in the middle here. You got to have people who are going crazy and people like, hey, dude, what are you doing? You got to live where you, you are. I think you get pulled towards the middle a lot easier than what I, most people think. I might be tempted to live on a cruise ship. Oh, now that. Mm-hmm. 
Listen, I got a couple of clients that right now are going to take one of these three, four-year cruises. Yeah. Like you pay up front, up okay. lump sum, and See they're the just going to travel for it. They're going to live on the cruise ship. Hmm. Yeah, this is a thing. You can buy these long-term cruise ship kind of things, yeah. and they're like, well, we were going to go to Europe, and it's going to cost this, but guess what we're going to do? We're going to spend three years on a cruise ship. And I'm saying, well, I hope they're going to need like a wheelbarrow to get you off <laughs> at the end of the three years because with all the food in your face, that's the one thing I worry about with cruises is mm-hmm. that, I mean, all that food around me, and I can't go anywhere. Well, I you've, mean, like, you've got good self-discipline, Richard. I do, but I don't know because everywhere you go, I hear there's food. Yeah. You know, it's a big thing, right? So. But you've been there three days. I mean, you've seen it all, so. You, you need to like have them journal their experience. Ah, that would be a good book, wouldn't it? I I I thought of that that it would be good for them to write every day how it was what it was mm-hmm. like, and uh, I think they actually have a book in the making because there are some retirees that are looking at that, and here's your firsthand account of how this works. And the client I'm thinking of is really good at scrapping and doing all this cool stuff. So I have one client that uh, that's really good, and I have another client who's thinking about this. I'm like, what is with this whole cruising thing so you mean uh yeah okay well listen everybody's coming up with creative ideas to do things so the one thing we were creative about is a 401k and um obviously everybody gets real creative with it but there are some mistakes you can make with a 401k and i think one of the mistakes that danny and i always talk about is overfunding and why we talk about overfunding oh we got we're gonna lose a segment here we talked the whole segment about edwin and Brent's new hair. All right, we get back. We'll go through some of these uh, mistakes with you. Stay tuned. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com if i won the lottery i would hire a dude to just walk around and poke lance every day hey how you doing what's going on hey hey i would hire one of the just eight hours a day wherever he is this dude would show up Wearing a jester hat. That, whatever. Yeah. yeah. We would get him in different costumes every day. and Oh, for sure. Every single day. Every and, day. And I would randomly place people around like where I know he would go. Yeah. <laughs> it would be a great idea. We would. Uh, but know. like I would have a guy sitting in like a Halloween costume yeah. who would just randomly like, oh, you're going to go work out today. And he'd see this guy like on the road <laughs> driving down the street. And wave then to him. Then he'd see him sitting in the lobby yeah. somewhere. Just to harass him, make him think he's going a little bit crazy, right? And I'd have him buy, I would buy him a house across the street from Lance's house. <laughs> You'd have Hi, to buy neighbor. a house every two years because we, well, I Lance know, but I would have yeah. the money, I would have Edwin's money. I know every two years I'm going to have to have to buy a new house, and this guy would be nomadic. He'd have to be moving every couple of years. Is, is Lance in the WITSEC program? 
He's always moving. <laughs> he likes to move. I told him you should never take stuff out of boxes. Because <laughs> it's... <laughs> I've never seen anybody move so many times. Oh, my gosh. That would drive me nuts. So well, that's why experience. he wears the same shirt every day. <laughs> the rest are all in boxes? <laughs> no, there's nothing else. There's no need. We shouldn't be picking on Lance, but I would hire. Needs. I would be hiring that dude. You guys are harsh. What did he do to you? We're not harsh. Well, we have. It a, would just be a lot of fun. We have a list. <laughs> we just don't have time. What has he done to us? Hold on. Look, let me somebody's got to give him a hard time. Let me get my notebook. <clears throat> All right. Thanks a lot. Four hundred one k. Yeah. You overfund it. In other words, you are told by the financial services industry that this 401k is the best, finest, incredible thing in the world. And you should put every dollar you make into it until you need the money to do something else. So don't you think, Danny, there's got to be a way that you fit your retirement plan savings account into a hierarchy of how you place your money. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there's so many mistakes made with the 401k. Number one being that typically everything goes into that pre-tax option because mm -hmm. we always think we're going to retire at this much lower tax bracket, which is quite frankly, often not the case. Um, but another thing I think that, especially for people that are super savers, is that sometimes they, they don't read the fine print and they put too much in too quickly mm -hmm. and forego a lot of matching contributions. And I'll give you guys an example. Um, had a client a couple months ago, we were looking at, at their plan and the company would contribute something like $500 per paycheck, per contribution. Uh -huh. So this is quite a bit of money Sure, added up, right? If you, you look at it, you get paid twice a month, you're looking at, you know. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's yeah. very good. Uh -huh. So we, we looked at it and they were, overfunding it because they said, hey, I want to max this out early um, or I think the markets are cheaper. I want to go ahead and put as much in it as I can. I don't need a paycheck right now. I'll just go ahead and dump everything that I can into it. The problem with that is that they actually hurt themselves mm -hmm. because now they didn't get nearly as much from a matching perspective as they generally would had they contributed all throughout the year. Now, that's not always the case. But it is something certainly that you need to look into, understand the fine print, and then understand what is that most efficient target for you to put in each and every single paycheck so that you get the most bang for your buck. Because I'm yep. sure you see that too, Rich. Yep. So you have to prioritize and stop overfunding a 401k if you don't have other ducks in order and you might be looking to take money from that account to buy a home, emergency account, emergency series of emergencies you might have, whatever it is. Under, overfunding is a problem. Underfunding is also a problem, right? People that forego matches, they don't realize what they're leaving money on the table by not contributing to their plan. And of course, we do have an underfunding of retirement savings problem overall especially in the face of higher inflation. There was a new study that shows that m over 25% of individuals are just not 
they, they took the whole retirement savings thing out of the hierarchy because of inflation and just trying to keep managing their costs, right? And, and real wages are negative when you consider inflation. So underfunding is also an issue, and that's why you have to have a savings discipline and a strategy to figure out, I need to fund my retirement account, and at least, to your point, Danny, there are companies that match out there, and I have, I, have client, I have clients' children that don't consider funding, even though I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> hey, you can afford to fund to get this match. Well, I, I think that especially people are starting off, they think, you know, you start to understand, you think, wow, I'm going to make this much money, but then once you see taxes going away mm-hmm. or you see how expensive life is, that it is difficult. Yeah. But you got to do something. And you don't want to leave any money on the table from the perspective of a match. Yep. Um, that's just silly. Now, I wouldn't advise everybody to just stick it in the pre-tax and don't think about anything else. Look, if you're younger, you have a significant advantage because now there's been studies, there's been a lot done that show, huh, maybe we shouldn't have put everything pre-tax. Maybe we should have looked at this a little bit differently. So you have the advantage of that it being still in the accumulation phase and being able to say, okay, what type of investment vehicles do I have, number one? You know, we talked about health insurance. Do you have an HSA? Mm-hmm. Can you fund that, max that out? Get the match on the 401k. Do you have the ability to put into a Roth? Because a Roth 401k does not have income limitations. That's a, another big thing we hear quite a bit, Rich, is that mm-hmm. people come to say, oh, yeah, I can't put the Roth 401k. I make too much money. It's like, whoa, hang on. You're messing up the, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're, you're confusing Roth IRA. And that you're bringing up my third point, Danny. You're in the right neighborhood, but the wrong house. Yep. You, you're, you're, you're doing the right things by saving in a 401k, but you're looking at pre-tax versus Roth, right? We direct, at least I do. I don't want to speak for Danny. If you're 20-something and you have a job and you have a 401k, they get advice from their firm and other advisors that they need to start saving pre-tax. And I go the opposite way. Roth 401k for you. And here is why. But that is totally different information. than what, Yes. Roth 401k. So you could be in the right neighborhood, but the very wrong house. Unless you think taxes are going lower. <laughs> I'm sorry. That just made me laugh. Um, now, target date funds. This will be our last point. We'll continue these next week. Target date funds. Very popular, right? Target date 2030, 2035, 2020, whatever it is. But your target fund, your target date fund may be way off target. Right, Danny? Way off target. <laughs> it, it, you know, we've talked about this and ad nauseum in the past, and so mm-hmm. if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you probably understand my disdain towards these types of investments. He and loves HSAs, but disdains target date funds. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. yeah. You, you're probably going to be on my tombstone. Um, but, well, because, because look, it's a very good marketing tool. But it unfortunately, is. it doesn't do exactly what many people think it does. And so when you start to look underneath the hood and say, well, what's actually in this fund? How is it allocated? It's a 2020, meaning you should have retired three years ago, what is your stock bond ratio? Does it take into 
consideration market conditions? No, number one. Um, how quickly? Because, you know, the idea is that you have these target date funds that are going to uh, get more conservative as you get closer to retirement. But what is that glide path? How quickly do they get more conservative? Is that the right thing for you? You might be surprised. Yeah, very surprised. And they're not all created equally. Some, you know, you may have one at Vanguard that's different than the one at Fidelity, that's different than the one at Schwab, that, you know, the list goes on and on. And so while you have experience with one and think you understand it, you may not understand the other one. So it's really important to make sure you, you really read the fine print on this as well, get a good understanding as far as how it works, why you would use it. Um, I think a lot of people use these, Rich, because it's easy, right? It's a qualified de uh, deferred investment for many of these plans. So meaning that if you don't go pick anything, that's where your funds are generally going to go. It keeps the 401k plan administrators and trustees out of trouble. And it's an easy kind of set it and forget it type of investment. But may not always be the right thing. The worst thing that they have in target date funds is a target date. Because people gravitate and say, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to retire in 2028. Therefore, I must go into the 2028 fund. No, that is not a maturity date. Yeah, it, it's not going to be what you think it is. But, but it's really misleading, right? Very. To have the date on there and the glide path underneath, the calculations can still show you at 50, 60% equities. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Shouldn't it be winding down for 2028? So you gotta look under the hood and understand the glide path or find yourself a financial partner who will go through that with you. Ignore the target date in the target date fund. The 2025 fund right now uh -huh. is sitting at about, this is just one at 55% in stocks. Okay. The remainder in bonds mm -hmm. and a lot in international. There you go. All right. Listen, guys, you all have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you. Bye.